just want you to recognize that when we come into worship like that, that I, I live in expectation of God moving in power. I'm expecting him to bring healing, whoever you are. So I want you to be a person who believes that when we come in for worship, it's not just us singing a few cool songs or having a lot of great sound, whatever, but it's really an interaction with the living God who actually wants to move in your life. So when we come in and I, and I just sense the Lord wanting to move, I, I sense that he really wants to meet you at the point of need. So in worship, that's why we did that whole thing right there. And I'm really expecting that God would move and touch you. So just so you can know from now on when you come into worship, feel free to expect him to do that. Um, well, sitting in your seat, how many of you have your fun dip in your seat? Okay. There's a really important reason to have that, and I have no idea what it is. No, um, no tonight the, the topic of discussion is, is joy. And so we're, we're thinking, what can we do that needs to be fun? And so he's like, let's just buy some fun dip, because fun dip's just fun. And you get the stick and the sugar, and, and you get the sugar high, and it's just really cool. And, you know, I know you're looking thinking, well, couldn't you get the really big pack? Sorry, but this one's a little cheaper. Um, but it still gets, it's still fun. It's not fun, but it's fun. So um, hopefully you'll enjoy that. All right. Well, hey, um, you know, last, last week we were talking about getting out of the fishbowl, right? The idea of getting out, actually loving our neighbors, getting out and embracing people where they are, identifying with people. That we talked about that God's called us to love our neighbor, and we can't do that in the context of just sitting here uh, around the same people all day long, right? That we're, we live in this fishbowl as Christians a lot of times, this safe environment. And we never leave it. And the reality is that it's really boring in the fishbowl, if we're really honest. That we've been called to get outside of our comfort zone, someplace new and exciting, embracing people that we don't know. Because the world's a world of need. And so we talked about that. And the thing we talked about was that ultimately to do that, we need to be empowered by the power of the Holy Spirit to do that. And so if you've ever read the book of Galatians, you get to chapter 5, you start in verse 16, it says, So I say... Live by the power of the Spirit and won't gratify the desires of your sinful nature. And it goes on later and says, now that you are in the Spirit, now continue, keep in step with the Spirit. Now that you're walking with the Spirit, keep in step with the Spirit. And so what we talk about is the reality that we need to be people who are daily engaging Jesus and asking the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit and Jesus to come and say, I need you today to come and, and just take my life, rule my life, and help me to to be you in the world. And in Galatians chapter 5, verse 22, it says, Now, the fruit of God's presence actually moving in your life is love and joy, peace and patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness, and self-control. Now, I don't know if you have ever seen that list before, but it's a list of things that I would love to say were a normal part of my everyday life. I would love to say that I'm, I'm just overwhelmingly loving, that joy is invading every pore of my being, and then when people see me, the first thing they think of is, man, this dude's just got joy all over him. That I would love to be someone in a in difficult situation who comes up and they say, we need Steve to be part of this conversation because, because he is such a man of peace. Do we need him here to, to broker this whole situation that we're involved in, right, to, to help us get through this? And the thing that I see is this, that people who are living with the Holy Spirit in basically as, as, as Lord of their life, basically as in, he's involved in 
has control of everything in their life, that you're actually walking with, and the Holy Spirit is engaging you in every part and saying, come, Holy Spirit, would you move in my life? That, that, that person, the fruit of God's presence in that person's life, will be that list in Galatians chapter 5, verse 22. And so you can read through and say, well, is the Holy Spirit actually moving in power in my life? And the gauge is saying, well, here's the litmus test. Are you just overwhelmingly embracing love and joy and peace and patience on down the list? And this summer, as I was looking at that list, I began to think about I began to think about people outside of us, our friends, our neighbors, people that God has called us to love, right? This whole missional mindset we've been talking about. And I thought to myself, you know, the thing that I see people, especially in this generation, ultimately looking for is happiness, right? Ultimately looking for this, this joy in their life. And I thought to myself, you know, if I'm really honest about my own life, and then everyone else that I meet who are Christians, I really don't see a difference of great joy welling up in the life of every single person that I know who calls himself a follower of Jesus, I don't know about you, maybe you have different friends than me, but I, I'm around people all the time who just, I mean, they're like right on the verge of depression, or maybe in it, and, and it's like a, a large majority of the Christians that I know, no, not everybody, right, and, I, and, I, and I'm not trying to, I'm not saying in the pit of despair or anything like that, but that they're literally on this verge of like, oh, it's not, it's so hard, like, it's like, like they're living life barely above the water with their nose up to like, I'm just trying to make it, I'm just trying to make it. And I say that because I see that in my own life. But when I look at the life that, that God calls us to, and I look at the fruit of the Holy Spirit in our lives, I see a life of love and of joy and of peace and of patience. And I look at that and think, wow, if that is really what the fruit of God's presence should be in my life, it should be in our lives, and maybe we're, we're missing the life that God has ultimately created and called, created us for and called us to. Now, when I see in Scripture, I, I read in 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, and verse 16, and I see this, this verse that just jumps out at me. And it says this. It's really simple. It's that, it must be the, the second shortest verse in all of Scripture because the shortest one's in Matthew. It says, Jesus wept. This is another real easy learning verse. So if you're trying to learn some Bible verses, Here's a good one for you to learn. Write it down. First Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 16. It says this. Be joyful always. Can you all say that? Be joyful. Good job. Good job. All right. So now you just learned the second shortest verse in all of Scripture. Be joyful always. And the thing I see about this verse is that although it's simple and short, there's actually a command in it. And it's Paul writing to this church people just like you and me, and he's saying, hey, listen, in the context of everything going on in your life, this is the mandate, this is the call. Be joyful sometimes. What is it? So you learned it. Good job. Be joyful always. And the thing about this church in Thessalonica, you need to understand, is that they didn't have an easy life. If you read this, this book right here, First Thessalonians, towards the end of the Bible, they were facing persecution, suffering. It was not an easy thing to be a Christian. And Paul is writing to them saying, listen, I know you've got everything going on, but here's the deal. 
in the context, in the midst of all of that, here's my mandate to you. Here's the command. Be joyful always. Now, here's the thing about that command. It's not the only time that it's given in Scripture. Over 17 times, just in Paul's letter to the Philippians, he talks about joy. In chapter 3, verse 1, he says, Finally, my brothers and sisters, rejoice in the Lord. In chapter 4, verse 4, it says, Rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I will say it, rejoice. We are commanded to rejoice. We are commanded to have joy. But the reality is we're not living there, are we? I mean, if we're honest with ourselves, we say, well, this whole joy thing, I, I honestly don't think I'm engaging it to such a point where I can say that in everything that I'm doing, I'm embracing and I'm exhibiting joy to everyone around me. We're all at that place, I think. And I think one of the main struggles resides in this fact that we don't understand the definition of joy. When thinking of joy, the primary thing I think that most of us think about is this idea of happiness. But I want to say tonight that happiness and joy are completely different. They are not the same word. And so I want to say tonight, I want to begin to paint this picture for you of what joy is. So I'll start by saying what it's not. Happiness is an emotion that's simply based on circumstances, right? If something is going well or good in your life, then you're happy. So happiness is circumstantial. Today I wake up and my dad said, calls and says, hey, I bought you a brand new car. Woo, I get happy, right? I get happy. If someone, you know, guys or a girl walks by and actually knows your name and you like her, you get happy, right? It's like all of a sudden you're like floating on air because happiness, because of the circumstance you've just experienced, has brought you that. So on Saturday afternoons, for those of you who are football fans, if your team wins, if UCF wins, what happens? We're happy. We're like, woohoo, right? We're having this exhilaration inside of us based on the circumstance of the moment. That's why I can, I can talk to people at 10 a.m. say, how's your day going? Oh, man, I'm doing great, right? And they're happy. And literally three hours later, I can see them. It's like, how are you now? Like, I'm doing awful, right? Because their happiness is based on the circumstance of the moment. So happiness is circumstantial. Have you all experienced that? Where you go from moment A like, eh, to a moment of elation, and people call and say, how are you, how, how you doing? Oh, my gosh, I'm doing so great, blah, 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 right? And you're exuding this happiness based on the circumstance of something that just happened. However, joy, true joy, is different. Joy is something that is unaffected, completely untouched and unaffected by circumstances. It's a state of mind. It's an orientation of the heart. Joy is something that is deep inside of you. It's as if it's a, it's, a, it's a settled state of contentment, of confidence and hope that stands up and lives even during difficult struggles. Joy is something that's that almost unspeakable, untouchable part of you that in the midst of suffering, in the midst of struggle, there's this contentment of knowing. This contentment of knowing that even though this is happening, there's a contentment and a rest deep inside of my heart. First Peter 4, 12 through 13 says this. It says, friends, when life gets really difficult, jump, don't jump to the conclusion that God isn't on the job. Instead, 
be glad or rejoice that you are in the very thick of what Christ experienced. This is a spiritual refining process with glory just around the corner. Basically what it's saying here is this. Peter's making this point. Listen, in the midst of this suffering, in the midst of your difficulty, in the midst of a hard time of life, rejoice because it's exactly what Jesus went through. Isolation, aloneness, difficulty, and suffering. Oh, but rejoice. Have hope because glory, victory, newness is just around the corner. That's the hope that we rest in. That is the place of joy. See, this is God's expectation of joy in our hearts. That even during difficult times, we will be able to rejoice because inside of us, there is a deep knowledge of the person of Jesus. There's a wellspring of real, authentic, and living joy. That in the deepest moment of despair, that there is a foundation in our heart that I rest in that says, I can't explain it. But the presence of God in my life has brought this contentment and foundation that even in the midst of all of my stuff, because I know Jesus, I have joy. I can't explain it. I can't put it into words. And I can't tell you how or why. But there's something inside of me. Most of you know my story about my mom. 1997, she passed away after, after a brain aneurysm. Two months in the hospital. And you know those two months were, as most of you know, the most difficult time of my life. I'm literally in the last semester of trying to graduate from college. I've got these classes that I'm going through, right? I'm, I've got these commitments at Wesley. I'm on leadership, and I'm trying to be the super strong guy. So I'm going to the altar every night and pray, or every Tuesday night, Wednesday night, and praying for people. And I'm still leading my community group. And I'm leading a trip to Brazil, mission trip in the midst of all of this, right? And on top of driving home almost on an every other day basis to see my mom who's an hour away, just laying in, literally in a coma in the hospital. And I come home one afternoon, one of those days, where I just feel completely discombobulated, right? My emotions, my feelings, and all this stuff, they're just going like this, and they're torn, and they're pulled, and I'm just, I'm undone, I'm overwhelmed, and overwhelmed, and I just need a rest. My mind, my body is tired, my mind is overwhelmed, and, I'm, and I just, and I lay down on my bed. And this was, this was my prayer. I simply said this, Lord, <coughs> I need you to come. to live, I basically was saying, I need to be in your presence. That was what my heart was saying. I just need to be in your presence. And I laid there, and it was in about five or ten seconds. And I literally was just in this deep, desperate need of needing Jesus. And all of a sudden, there was a joy in my heart. And it was one of those things that, yeah, everything was still going over here, right? My mom was literally about to die. Like, nothing changed. My circumstances of life were exactly the same, right? But inside of me, I found this foundation. I can't explain it to you. I can't tell you how I got there. But all of a sudden, God just said, the fruit of my presence is righteous joy. And I had this joy, this deep contentment. I wasn't standing coming down. I wasn't standing jumping coming down. Woo, I'm so excited. You have joy. 
It wasn't a happiness birthed out of circumstance. It was the reality of my heart that God said, I am real. And because of that, everything is going to be okay. I see what's going on with your mom. I see what's going on with you. And I'm going to move. I'm going to protect. I'm going to be here to be with you. My mom still died. He didn't say, I'm going to heal your mom. What he said was, I'm going to be with you. And in that moment, I was overwhelmed, but I, again, I can't explain it to you, or I can't say, here's one, two, three step system, how to climb joy in the midst of suffering and difficulty, right? I can't give you that. All I can say is this, when I called out to God and said, I need to be in your presence, I've got to find you right now, he said, I'm here, and here's the foundational tool. There's something different between happiness as a circumstance and joy that's deep inside of your heart. And joy is something that can never be taken, but happiness is something that's have been created to rejoice. You've been created for the fruit of God's presence of joy in your life and it's your destiny. You are called to have a gift. He says, this is, this is what I give to you. It's a fruit of my presence in your life. See, the deep place in us, the source of our joy, is our intimate knowledge of Jesus. The deep place where joy becomes our foundation in the midst of everything is intimacy with Jesus. That's what he's called us to. That's what we're allowed to have. One of the byproducts of our nearness to Jesus is that deep place with him where joy is found. We see that pictured in David's life. If you have your Bibles, you can look at this with me. If not, I'll just read it to you. Sorry, I should have had it on the screen. But Psalm 16, verse, verses 8 through 11. Psalm 16, 8 through 11. It says this. It says, I have set the Lord always before me, because he is at my right hand. I will not be shaken. Therefore, my heart is glad, and my tongue rejoices. My body also will rest secure, because you, God, will not abandon me to the grave, nor will you let your Holy One see decay. Verse 11, you have made known to me the path of life. You will fill me with joy in your presence, with eternal pleasures at your right hand. David is coming and saying, there is joy that is birthed out of the fact that no matter what the life situation, he is confident in the person of God in his life that God would keep him from being shaken, that God would not abandon him, that God would show him the path of life, that in God's presence, he would be, not maybe, but he would be filled with joy. The truth about David's relationship is also true for ours, that in the presence of Jesus, our joy for life is realized as we come into a place of confidence and rest of knowing that God is moving in your life. That's your destiny. Then like David, he's saying, man, because I've come into his presence, I all of a sudden realize, because I've come in, because I've entered into his presence, I now know that I can never be shaken, that God will never abandon me, that God will show me the path of life. That I have found joy by His presence, 
being in my life and me being present before Him. The nearness of Jesus to us, our intimate knowledge of Him, of pressing in and finding Him and knowing Him, creates this foundation of unshakable joy, this deep contentment and confidence of knowing, of knowing that He will never abandon us, let us be shaken, that He will always show us the path of life, and that true joy and contentment will be found as we enter into His presence. This is the secret and the source of all true, everlasting joy, that God is and never will stop moving in our life. That's the secret and the source of joy that God is and never will stop moving in our lives. There's a woman by the name of Julian of Norwich in the 1300s in England who's, who was major pursuit in her life. She literally gave herself full time to intimacy with Jesus. She was what's called a Christian mystic. And she said this, the greatest honor that you can give to Almighty God, greater than all your penances, repentance, sacrifices, and mortification, is to live joyfully because of the knowledge of His love. The greatest honor that you can give to Almighty God is to live joyfully because of the knowledge of His love. When you understand that God is love, and that His love is unchanging, that He's constant in His love for us, and that it's possible to trust Him, Literally trust Him in every circumstance in your life. There is a certain relief that comes. A relief from needless anxiety and worry and fear and guilt and shame because the mercy of God comes upon all those who come into His presence. Anxiety, worry, fear, guilt, and shame are torn down because you recognize that as you come near to Him, All of these things are torn down because the joy of God becomes the fruit of His presence in your life. Peace becomes the fruit of His presence in your life. Patience becomes the fruit of His presence in your life. Are you in need of love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, and on down the line? Then draw near to Jesus because the intimate knowledge, the relationship with Him, brings about His presence, which brings about these things into your life. You become like David. Oh. I found joy when I draw near to Him because I, I know He'll never abandon me, forsake me, turn away from me, or any of those things because I found joy in His presence. Joy springs from the awareness of God's love and generosity and of us drawing to His presence. So I'm going to make a statement now that might seem a little bit hard, if not impossible to believe, but I, I believe in all that I am that it's true. But here's a statement. Listen. There is no event and there are no circumstances in life that should diminish the Christian's joy. I'll say it again. There is no event and no circumstance in life that should diminish the Christian's joy. Because the presence of God never leaves. The nearness of God and relationship with Him and being intimate with Him and being intimate in our knowledge of Him is always possible. Does that mean you'll be happy? No. The circumstance of life, you will not be happy. And I'm sitting there with 
on my bed, praying out to God, I was all of a sudden really happy that everything in life, I wasn't like, oh, okay, well, my mom's going to die. What's she do? No, like nothing like that. I still lived in the reality of the moment that the circumstance of my life was, it was, it was difficult, that she was going to die, that I was never going to talk to her, say another word to her ever. But the reality was that inside of me, I knew this confident place of comfort and rest, knowing that God was present. And that in that, I could rejoice. That I can and could rejoice. For no matter what life throws at us, the reality of Jesus in us is not diminished nor changed. For at the core of who we are is the ever-moving presence of a loving God who is moving on our behalf. And this causing joy to overflow in every area of our life. I can't ultimately tell you how to, how to cultivate this other than to say, get into the presence of Jesus and expect the fruit to be there. Expect joy in the midst of suffering. This deep inner contentment and confidence that everything is going to be okay. I tell you, my mom. After my mom died, the last thing I wanted someone to do was come up and tell me, just come up and just tell me, oh, man, I wish I had to fix this. Can you give me one, two, three steps? Can you just read this book right here? Everything's gonna be okay. I wanted someone to come up to me and put their arm around me and say, it's gonna be okay. That's it. What I want to say is, in the midst of that suffering, there's a place where God's come and said, listen, everything, everything is gonna be okay. Ultimately, ultimately, everything is going to be okay. So there's a few things I want you to keep take from this message. Number one is this. Remember, joy is not based on circumstances. That's happiness. Joy is not based on circumstances. We are to rejoice even in the midst of suffering. James 1.8 says, Consider it pure joy, brothers and sisters, when you face trials and tribulations of many kinds doesn't make any sense. He's saying, consider it joy. That God's saying, there's a place deep inside of you of contentment and confidence that God is present. Which leads to the second thing. Joy is based on knowledge. Joy is based on the promise that God is strong enough and wise enough to make all things work together for His good and for our good. As I laid there on the bed that night, I recognized God saying, she may die. I recognized that. She may die. But I will move. It was still hard. Incredibly difficult. But I was a place inside of me of rest and of confidence and of contentment. That God was going to move and work all things for his good. Because he is capable of doing that work. I knew him. That's it. Joy is knowing Him, being intimate with Him, intimate knowledge, being so near to Him that I can recognize the fruit of joy being present in my life, as it can be in yours. The third thing, I want you to remember that joy is based on love. Joy is based on the relationship of love that we have with God, that He loves us and that we love Him. And that in that love relationship, we come in together, we, we talk, we have conversation, we learn, and we recognize, man, this, this God just thinks that I'm incredible. And there's no way. I believe when David is saying in Psalms, he's like, he'll never leave me. 
but that he loves me too much. He'll never abandon me because he can't. He shows me the path of life because he loves to show those things to me. He loves to bring joy. When I come into his presence, he can't wait to flood me with it. That's what I want you to take back here today. Joy is something deep. It's something you only find in presence. It's a fruit of his presence. As you walked in tonight, you probably didn't see it, but in those three little posters back there, there's, there's pictures written, drawn by four-year-olds in my daughter's class. That was not my daughter like I put up there, right? It's just Peter. And so the best picture of there, I'm sure, is hers. Right, you can go back and look at it later. But we had that, and we showed this scene tonight because there's something about children. But there's this, this joy that they embrace seemingly much easier than we do. Like my daughters, they can be undone. I mean, just weeping. And literally, like five seconds later, they're loving life. I don't get it, right? And we love that idea about children. In this childlikeness, there's this level of trust, this level of faith and of belief that's just uncanny. A couple of weeks ago, I'm with my daughter, Anna Catherine, in, in her bedroom. And, and as we do every night, we, we, we read books. And then we have her pray, and then we pray, and then I scratch her back for a minute, and then I leave. We, and Randall and I take turns doing that. And so this night, I'm laying my hands on her, I'm praying for her, and I, just, and I pray different things. And, and I, this night I pray, says, Lord, would you take away any bad dreams? Because she's prone to have bad dreams every now and then. They're usually kind of, I mean, she comes and tells us about it. She's just like, Allison was so mean to me in my dream. It was a nightmare, you know. And it's like, I'm sorry, you know. And, but, but she has these nightmares. And so, so I'm praying. I said, Lord, I just, I, I pray right now that you remove the bad dreams. She goes, honey, don't pray bad dreams. I said, no, 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 honey. I said, I'm praying that God would take them away. She's like, oh, okay. And I keep on praying for her. And I get done. I scratch her back for a minute, and I walk out, turn the light, turn the little closet light on, and turn the main light off in her room. And I'm about to walk out, she goes, Daddy. I'm like, yeah, I'm praying for you, I love you, baby. And she's like, when you were my age, did you have bad dreams? I said, yeah, I did. I, I did have a bad dream. She's like, what did you do? I said, I just simply asked Jesus to take them away. said, yes, it did. It did. She rolled over and she was asleep. And since then, I'm not sure, and look, maybe I'm wrong, but I don't think she's had a bad dream since that night. Now, I'm not saying be, ooh, right? But I'm, I'm not trying to be overly emotional, right? I'm just, I'm just, I'm saying, I really don't think she's had a bad dream since then. But the point I want to make about that is this. When she asked me, God, I'm, basically, I'm scared of bad dreams. She literally wakes up in the middle of the night and it's just terror. And she wakes up and she, she's afraid of them. And I looked at her and I said, Jesus, just ask Jesus if he'll take them away. And she believed me. She trusted me. She just rolled over and said, okay, perfect, good, I believe you. And as it relates to us about joy, the command, rejoice, be joyful, always. I want to say that we need to have this childlike belief 
that just says, okay, I'm expecting joy. I'm expecting joy to overflow. I'm expecting the fruit of the Holy Spirit to flow in my life because I'm going to get near to Jesus. And I'm going to tell him, okay, I'm waiting for it. I'm waiting for your love and your joy and your peace to overflow in my life as I draw near to you in intimate knowledge because that's what peace is. Peace says, as I drew near into the presence of God, I was filled with joy. That's what I want you to see here. You have been created and commanded to live a life of joy. But he says, all you have to do to get that is be in my presence. Have your faith back in my presence. And then you can live with this deep contentment and confidence that in the midst of all things, I am there. And even though it doesn't make any sense, you're going to find joy in the midst of the worst tragedy of your life. That's his promise. And that's what a world is looking for. People who are living in the confidence and contentment of joy that even in the midst of things that should overwhelm them and probably do in some form or fashion, they are still able to find joy. And people are drawn to that. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for tonight. We thank you for your presence with us. And Lord, I know as we, uh, as we have prayed tonight, as we've spoken, and I recognize that there are people, God, who are at a dark night of the soul. A dark night of the soul. They're overwhelmed. But God, I believe that in that place, there is a deep contentment that you are near. A deep joy and a confidence, God, that inside of us just overwhelms us. We have confidence and contentment and joy. God, we may still be in fear. We may still be having, we still may, still may be suffering. But in that, there's this deep place that's been actually been shaken in us. Because we have the presence of Jesus bringing this contentment and confidence and joy to us. And Lord, tonight I want to ask that you would draw people into that presence. Enable them to engage you in that way. And I want to thank you. And let you know, God, I'm expecting you to bring the fruit of joy to people's lives tonight. Because that is your will. Ask all this in your name. We're going to go ahead and stand tonight. We're going to go ahead and go into our time of worship and our time of prayer. If you're new to Wesley, we do this every night, every Tuesday night. Go ahead and stand. We're going to go into a time of worship and a time of prayer. We're going to just encourage you. If you want someone to pray for you about this, about suffering, about difficulty, about struggles that you're facing, and you're just in need of joy, I believe tonight God wants to draw you in. If you just want to sit in your chair and just say, God, I want to come into your presence tonight, and I want to enter in, and I'm asking for the fruit of joy. I need it, and I'm expecting it. Ask Him to do that. Or get someone who's like, I don't know how to get there. Get one of our staff over here on the side to pray for you.